Hey, Liz. Hey, Kat. Hey, Kat, what would be almost as fun as recording a podcast together? Well, I think it's almost even more fun, but I guess that's debatable. (laughs) Doing one-on-one coaching with you, Liz. Co-coaching together has been one of my favorite aspects of doing this podcast with you. Totally. So guess what? We're going to do it. We are going to offer career coaching sessions to our listeners, but not have it be recorded. So we're going to offer one-on-one sessions at a really good deal. And we started the podcast with the goal of helping people who are stuck with something career-related. And if we can help through the podcast, that's awesome. But if one-on-one coaching is more someone's speed. So we have decided to offer a intro special. Yes, we have an introductory special of $100 an hour, which if you're a big math whiz like me is less than either of us would charge individually. So you are saving over 50% and you get two for less than the price of one, which is awesome. And in this kind of session, you don't have to worry about your boss hearing it or your friend hearing it or anything else. It's absolutely confidential, Mm -hmm. just like any Mm -hmm. career coaching session, but you get the Liz and Cat experience in a one-on-one session for $100. So if this sounds interesting to you, shoot us an email at realjobtalk at gmail.com and we'll be happy to schedule a call and do some one-on-one work with you. Can't wait. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. Hey, Liz. Hello, Kat. Kat, today we are welcoming back one of our favorite guests from season one, my high school friend, Chris Gaither. Chris is a leadership coach, a writer, and a career pivoter, rebooter extraordinaire who is following his journey by listening to what brings him energy. Chris has tailored his coaching practice towards sustainability, a topic which he is both knowledgeable and passionate about. And today we're going to talk with Chris about energy, following your energy, replenishing your energy, and using your energy to make career choices. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you, Liz. That introduction gave me a lot of energy. I appreciate it. Well, Chris, we're just thrilled to have you back. Uh, And to get this rolling, can you explain to us what you've been up to since you last visited us? Oh, my goodness. What a decade this year has been, right? (laughs) Right. You know, it's funny. There are people who have really suffered through this year. And then there are people who have flourished through this year. I feel like I've done some of both. Mostly flourishing, though. Um, I have built a coaching and executive leadership practice that I really love. I have gotten a divorce. I have repartnered. I have found a household um, where my 13-year-old son spends half of his time. I've learned how to be a solo dad. And I've started writing a lot exercising, meditating. And yeah, I've also done some serious suffering around the pandemic too. And somehow in the midst of all that, I've just found a lot of good things. Mm. That's awesome. Lots happened this year. Mm -hmm. So just so we're using the same language, can you talk to us a little bit about your definition of uh, personal energy? One way to think about it is that people talk a lot about following your passion. And I've always struggled to connect to that idea for a simple reason, which is that sometimes I just don't know what it is that I'm passionate about. Totally. Great. Follow your passion. What's your passion? Uh, <laughs> Netflix? I don't know. Yeah. And I started noticing in my own life and in working with my clients that energy was actually a much better gauge for what path you want to follow. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing that when I was following my energy and when I was working with people to follow their own energy, they started discovering things that made them a lot happier and a lot more fulfilled. And by energy in this context, what I simply mean is, do I feel like my battery, my internal battery, my soul battery, my body battery is more full or less full than when I started this task, this conversation, mm-hmm. this project, this relationship, this job. Yeah. 
-hmm. There are lots of different ways to look at it, but that's a really simple one that I have been using for quite a while now to, to guide me along the way. So really kind of listening to your own inner guidance. Yeah, I had a coach say to me really early as I was just getting started in my coaching practice, she said, do you know how you can tell if your client had a really good coaching conversation with you? And I just made some stuff up. I, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, they come up with three concrete insights from it or a couple of actions that they can take to move their uh, their life forward. And she was like, maybe. But what the real thing is that I use is to pay attention to my own energy as a coach. Mm -hmm. If I end the conversation and I have more energy as a coach than when I started, the chances are really, really good that my client is in the exact same place mm -hmm. because energy can also be contagious. You know, when's the last time, I mean, I see that happening to you guys. Every time I talk to the two of you, I see you feeding off of each other <laughs> and getting energy from each other, which is why I think you continue to do this. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to realize, to use that, right? How do you feel at the end of a conversation? Mm -hmm. And just kind of ask yourself that. And, you know, a question that a therapist asked me or told me years ago or asked me to, you know, encouraged me to ask myself was, is it health giving or health taking? Is it life giving or life taking? And it's mm -hmm. the same, it's the same concept, right? Yep. It's tuning in and seeing how, you know, how you feel. Do I feel expansive or do I feel like I want to contract a little bit? Or it's just that feeling. I Like I think of the meetings that I go to or the coaching sessions or a meeting with a manager or something where I come out of it. I'm like, yeah, I kicked butt in there. And that was awesome. And I totally like, I helped them move whatever it was forward. And I also know the ones where I'm, you know, or the interviews or whatever, where I'm like, okay, stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Mm -hmm. You know, where I just feel like I had the life sucked out of me. And so when you listen to that, and you take note of it versus just kind of riding the highs and lows, you can then follow it. And as you said, follow the energy versus maybe I shouldn't spend my day doing the life-sucking things that are depleting me. I love that. Both of you mentioned noticing and tuning in to energy. Mm -hmm. It's something that is easy to forget. It's mm -hmm. easy to forget to pay attention to the connection we feel between our energy levels and the things that we're doing in our lives. And often when I work with clients in my coaching practice, that's some homework that I'll give them. I'll say, listen, for the next week or two weeks, do an energy audit of your calendar. Mm -hmm. And it can be as simple as printing out a copy of your calendar, having it next to your desk, and every time you have a conversation or do a, a task or do a staff meeting or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. draw a little up arrow for my energy is higher mm -hmm. when I'm done with this thing. Yeah. Maybe draw a you know little sideways arrow or two sideways arrows <laughs> for mm -hmm. eh, neutral and a mm -hmm. down arrow for I have less energy than when I started. And you start to notice patterns then. It's not until we do something as simple as that that we start to connect the dots. Oh, those are the things that drain me. And those are the things mm -hmm. that fill me back up. And of course, we have stuff that we need to do in our lives that drains our energy. We all have things that we have to do that we don't really want to do. And we do them because we're adults. It's just, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's just how it goes. Yeah. But the question is, can I do more of that stuff that brings me energy and less of the stuff mm -hmm. that drains my energy? Because you know what? The great thing is that especially when you're working in, in teams or you're starting to look for partnerships or contractors or, you know, things that you can outsource and offload. And this is the thing that, that like kind of blows my mind. For everything that drains my energy so badly, there is someone who gets filled with energy from doing that thing. Totally. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's a partnership made in heaven. Take the thing that I hate to do and it yeah. sucks my will to live. And that just happens to be the thing that you could do all day long and like not even get paid for it and be happy. Totally. What do you say to people that like, I'm a busy mom, right? And back in the before days, like Eric traveled all the time. I was alone a lot. I worked a full-time job, ran a company, had two kids, different schools running around. And I found myself depleted a lot. And I would say some of that may have been some of the work I was doing. I, I won't 
pretend it wasn't, but some of it was just that I was not stopping for 14 hours a day and constantly switching hats and all that. So what do you say to the person who's kind of like depleted because they're tired or, you know, and everyone loves being busy. I think we've all learned that busy is not the thing to be so proud of anymore. I think that has been a wonderful lesson of 2020. But what do you say to the person who's just juggling a lot and they're, they feel tired all the time and they don't feel like they ever have energy? Like, what would you say to that person? Yeah. I guess I would first say, I'm sorry, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what it's like to be totally dry, you know, to feel like your reservoir of energy is empty, your creativity is empty, like you don't have anything left to give. I have absolutely been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, last time I was here, a year and a half ago, we spent a lot of time talking yeah. about that, talking mm-hmm. about burnout. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to minimize what that feels like. Mm -mm. I will say that the advice that I would give them is to honor that and to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. When you are feeling that way, your body is trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. You know, we started this conversation talking about following your energy. Mm -hmm. I think what we're talking about now is something related but distinct, which Mm -hmm. is managing your energy. Yes. I find, you know, it's, it's funny, the more we love our work sometimes, or the more we love our families, the more we love the things that we're doing, the more that we are willing to sacrifice Mm -hmm. for those things and to just keep giving and giving and giving. And it's in those moments where we feel exhausted Mm -hmm. or in those longer periods of time when we feel exhausted, that it's important to say, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, am I not giving myself enough breaks during the day? Am I asking my body to do something that it's actually not capable of doing because humans can't just keep going under stress conditions mm-hmm. for extended periods of time? We go and then we rest and then we go and then we rest, except that we don't actually do that in modern society. We just mm-hmm. go and go and go and go and then wonder why am I so tired all the time? Mm-hmm. Paying attention to those signals is really important. And there are lots of different ways to maintain your energy that we can talk about. But I think, again, going back to what you both just mentioned before, noticing is a really important first step in that. Mm -hmm. And reflecting on it. I think it's about saying, whoa, and then what can I take off my plate? What can I take off my plate? What can I outsource if that's something you can do? But acknowledging it. And I think even when you're depleted, you can say, but wait, what are the good things? And like focus mm-hmm. on those. Mm-hmm. And so even when you're feeling depleted, you can say, where would I want to shift towards what is driving me? But I want to talk a little bit more about how you're reflecting on the energy. And I love that, like, just give things like a thumbs up, thumb middle, thumbs down kind of thing. Um, how do you make changes or do you recommend people make changes to have more thumbs ups? It can be really small steps that over time can make a difference. It could be as simple as today, I noticed that I had, I'm going to make up a number. Uh, my ratio of energy up to energy down was one energy up arrow for every two energy down arrows. <laughs> Right. That's probably yeah. not going to be a very fulfilling day, but maybe that's maybe that's what the day is like. Great. Tomorrow, I want to be one more closer to, to parity. You know, so it can be as simple as just looking for one simple um, activity to put on your calendar that fills you back up in that day. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do a complete calendar overhaul all in mm-hmm. one moment. Those are the things that terrify us and make us say, mm-hmm. ah, I can't do that. Never mind. Yeah. And keep us stuck in those other places. So mm-hmm. just take one really simple step and look for one way to bring in additional energy giving activities mm-hmm. into your work. I mean, to give you a really good example of that, yeah. we all have experienced that state of flow, right? Oh, it's my favorite place to be. Yeah. What, Kat, what's a moment when you remember being in a state of flow? Every day after I do my little yoga, I do, I do at least 20 minutes of yoga every morning and I feel so good when it's done. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it's so easy. Um, like, I think 
I started in May and I wasn't intending to do it every day, but it was kind of a, I wasn't feeling great. Uh, I was feeling the COVID blues come, <laughs> come in. Right. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm not moving enough. And so I just started doing it and it's become a daily thing. And I've incorporated some energy hygiene with, with the yoga. So by the time I'm done, at least that part of the day, my energy is clear. I've grounded, I've flushed my energy and I've moved my body you know, something as little as a 20 minute commitment mm-hmm. adds up right over, over the course of day in, day out. And of course it's, you know, I often will do more than 20 minutes, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just have 20 minutes. What is energy hygiene cat? Oh, my first coaching program was a coaching program that was an energy coaching program. So I got to do a really deep dive into this stuff. So it's really simple. It's just making sure that you're grounded Um, making sure that you're connected to something bigger than yourself and then Mm -hmm. becoming aware of our energy bodies, uh, which some people call them auras. Some people call them bubbles, but the reality is we're human beings. Most of us are pretty sensitive and we pick up energy that doesn't belong to us. (laughs) So by becoming aware of my energy every morning and just kind of noticing what's in my bubble and, and deciding to release anything that isn't mine through Mm -hmm. my grounding cord, can make a huge difference. And then there's, you know, making sure that I'm present. There's four or five little easy things that really are easy once you play with them and work with Mm -hmm. them that can make a huge difference in how you feel. Hmm. That's really beautiful, Kat. And I imagine that the people around you, the people in your life can tell the difference when you have done that practice and when you have it. (laughs) Yes, especially the people that know me well, like my husband, he might look at me and say, "Hmm, have you worked your energy today? (laughs) Um, Because one of the benefits is that I'm a little bit more resilient Mm -hmm. when it's only my energy in my space. Yeah. But when you think about that, for people that haven't done that work, Mm -hmm. you think about your partner, your kid, someone, a good friend walks in and you're like, whoa, what's going on with you? And they don't have to say a word. What do you think that is? That's their energy bubble. Yes. Um, You pick up on it. You feel Mm -hmm. the people that you care about around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you know, we're all humans. We're all sensitive and we can pick up when someone's energy might be more intense than it normally is. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Evolution has wired us this way. We benefit neurologically from being able to tell what other people's energy is like. Another way to say, so Liz, if you're sitting in Texas going, what are these California hippies talking about with their energy stuff? Another way to say it is, what's your mood like? Yes. Right? What are you carrying into the room with you? Mm-hmm. I heard this beautiful quote that has stuck with me for a long time. It's a definition of a leader. A leader is a steward of energy. A leader is a steward of energy. And I love that idea because it makes clear that a leader is responsible not only for themselves and how they are showing up, but also for the the mood of all the people around them. I love that. I know that I've I've had bosses who show up in their Mr. and Mrs. Grumpy Pants Mm -hmm. and I go right there, right? right? I go immediately to that place. Right. And I've had other people who show up in a room and they bring that something that mm-hmm. makes you just want to lean a bit closer to them, yep. that makes you feel more open and curious and willing to raise your hand and share an idea because you know you're not going to get snapped at. Mm-hmm. And what kind of boss do you think is going to bring out better work? Right. You know, this idea that a leader is a steward of energy, mm-hmm. it's a great reminder that the energy that we bring into any conversation does have that I can't sit here in the middle of a pandemic and use the word contagious and not feel weird about it. But energy, but energy is contagious. You it know, is. we we it feel is. it sure. when it comes into mm-hmm. when it comes into a room. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, and we even can feel it on a call. It's like, and sometimes like because on my when I am interviewing, I'm like, hey, let's get talking about the company. Like I am just bubbly, happy, trying to pull people out of their shell. And sometimes if I have like five or six phone interviews in a day or video interviews. I'm like, whoa, because I've spent so much energy getting these people connected and, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. And, but the reason to do that is so that they open up, match that energy. If I'm Mm -hmm. low energy or if I don't 
show them it's an okay place to just be yourself, it goes differently. Mm-hmm. So we match energy of people we're with throughout the day. And you're right, leaders, there if you if the boss walks in and you're afraid that you're gonna be put on the spot and yelled at, you're gonna have a lot different energy than if you think your boss is open to hearing what you have to say in a non-punitive way. Yeah, in many ways, energy is a, a strong foundation of culture. Mm-hmm. Strong culture, uh, destructive culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is about the energy that that the leaders bring into that conversation. For sure. I'm remembering there's some conversations that I have as, as a coach have with different people, but over and over again, the same, you know, the same conversation, different mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And because I work with a lot of leaders now who work in environmental responsibility, social impact, a lot of what I hear from them is, I think, a very justified grrumpy, frustrated, they just don't get it complaint Mm -hmm. about the decision makers in their organization. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this environmental leader, sustainability manager is frustrated because they keep going back to the CEO or the chief operating officer or an important partner inside the organization. And they keep hearing no. They keep hearing, no, we're not going to prioritize that. This is what's important instead. And they get really frustrated. And what I've started doing is when I'm hearing that, I started pointing out that I'm like, ooh, as you're describing that, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those of your listeners, like I have my hand on my chest. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I feel that. I feel that frustration. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, I feel really frustrated right now. I said, yeah, I get that. And when you talk to your CEO about environmental stuff, trying to get them to buy into your agenda, are you frustrated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm frustrated because he just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I understand why you'd feel frustrated. So when people come to you and they ask you for something and they're really frustrated at you, how do you react to that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I tell them to, to like screw off, you know? And I'm like, great. How do you think the CEO responds when you show up really frustrated? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that's an example of the energy that you bring into a conversation. Mm -hmm. When you show up trying to persuade someone of something and you're carrying in a really frustrated energy, they can feel that and they push back against you. You know, like I might against my, against my kid. (laughs) Yeah. You're not the boss of me. Um, Yes, I am. Yes, I am. They always are. (laughs) And so we have to have conversations about where do you want to show up from in this conversation Mm -hmm. in order to get what you want, Mm -hmm. in order to be more satisfied, in order to feel like you gave your best. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to get what they want. You know, the CEO might Mm -hmm. still say no, but if you can come into a place where you're curious and you're really asking about what their priorities are and you can understand them better and you're showing up with empathy and curiosity and like deep passion for the work that you're doing, Mm -hmm. they'll feel that their mirror neurons will be firing all over the place and they'll be picking up all the stuff that you're bringing. And they're much more likely to say yes, because you because they're going to feel that connection too. That's a great example of how we can use energy to be more effective in our work. Chris, what advice do you have for someone who is like chronically frustrated at work, right? We know these folks, right? We've worked with them. You know, if they came to you for advice, what kind of tools would you share with them? Mm. I wish I had some magic formulas for you, but I don't think that I would give them advice. I would just ask them a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I would ask them a lot of questions about what frustrates them. Mm-hmm. I would ask them how they're spending their time. I'd ask them what matters to them. I would ask them, what values do you want to honor in your life? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, on a score of one to 10, how well are you honoring each one of those values in your day to day? And the more aligned their values and their calendar are, the less frustrated they probably are. Mm -hmm. And the farther apart those things are, the more they're probably feeling like, I don't know, like they're being driven nuts and they don't, and they don't know why. Mm -hmm. So probably ask them a lot of questions Mm -hmm. to understand at a, you know, kind of a deeper level, what's, what's going on. Maybe they're in the wrong job. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. in the right job and they're looking at it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And they can shift their their mindset. You know, there's this beautiful concept called job crafting where you take the role that you're in 
you figure out what really brings you a lot of fulfillment and excitement and you shift your job. Let's say you shift your job five degrees or 10 degrees. Mm -hmm. Your boss probably wouldn't even notice the difference. It's not like you're taking your job description and and like tearing it up, you know, tearing (laughs) it in half. You're just shifting it a matter of degrees, Mm -hmm. but you're shifting it so that you are giving yourself permission to bring the best of yourself forward Mm -hmm. every day and how you do your work. And it feels much less like beating your head against the wall when you are spending more of your time in the activities that you feel like you're really good at and, and bring you a sense of, you know, a sense of energy and a sense of fulfillment. I kind of think of it as like, you know, when you're a kid and it's like, just eat the veggies first kind of thing. And you've got, you know, you save the dessert for last or you save the, what your favorite part of the meal for last. And it's like, if you can structure your day so that you get out the stuff that you don't love, but have to do because adulting or because no job is perfect or you block your calendar, like for this hour, I'm going to do interview scheduling, even though it couldn't be more life-sucking. But then after I have that awesome meeting with that manager that I always love talking to. So it's like little rewards, like you're saving the dessert. And I think that that can also help people because they know that they're going to get through the yuck and then get to what they like. And hopefully they can tailor their job to more of that. But it can just help if it if you know i'm going to spend from 10 to 11 just getting through it and then it's done versus letting it mm-hmm. wait or pile up or things like that like if you have life sucking hour and you know it then you know at the end of the hour life comes back and that's good mm-hmm. so there's a piece of it around structure too so how would you tell people to like assess a role? Like when they're looking at something new or, you know, I think about your sustainability people and they're, some of these people are there kind of lone soldiers in these companies where they're the one charged with this thing that everyone wants to be doing, but sometimes they don't actually want to do it if it affects the bottom line. And that's probably where that frustration comes in. So kind of how do you help people to assess opportunity so that they know if they will be fulfilling or not. It feels like the most important first step is to have clarity on what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised all the time by how easily we can grab onto a job description (laughs) and start looking at the tasks that are in that job description without understanding that that has almost nothing to do with how we will feel in that job. (laughs) It won't give us a sense of what the relationships are like. It won't give us a sense of what parts of us will be accessing most often during the day. And there's a difference between our skills and our strengths. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, we have an example of a finance person, okay? Mm-hmm. I worked with some amazing finance people when I was at Apple, when I was at Google. Uh, I'll use an imaginary finance person at Apple for this scenario. Mm-hmm. The skills that a finance person at Apple needs to possess are familiarity with numbers, you know, being able to manage spreadsheets really well, mm-hmm. things like that. Do they have a really solid grasp of how to work with numbers? So those might be the skills that they need to do that work. But those may not be the things that make them happy. Maybe the Apple finance person is in this job and they're really happy in this role at Apple because what they really love is not working with numbers. That's just what they have to do in order to be in this job. What they really love to do is to work with product teams that are trying to build really cool products. And they want to be a partner to those product teams to help them figure out where they can get the funding internally and how they can make the budgets work for these grand ideas that the product teams have Mm -hmm. to make products that will change the world. And so that is what lights up that finance person. Mm -hmm. It is the collaboration. It is the conversations. It's being in that room and working with product people to help them make really cool stuff. The the numbers, they just have to do that so that they can be in the room with these product people to do the really cool stuff. That's what I mean when I talk about the difference between skills and strengths. 
the job description will often ask for the skills. Sure. You need to ask a lot of questions and understand yourself well to, to recognize what are the roles that will allow me to bring my strengths forward. But here's the cool thing. The cool thing is that you can, as a finance person who really comes alive when you're collaborating with people, you have a much wider universe of possible jobs available to you, knowing that what you really want in your job is collaboration for the purpose of creating cool stuff. Because then you can uh, reinvent yourself over and over again and just chase that, right? Mm -hmm. Just chase that feeling over and over again. That's what I've done a lot of in my career is, oh yeah, I have to do a bunch of things in this job. Those, eh, I don't like them so much. Those, that's really cool. And I just keep chasing the stuff that's cool. So back to your question about what you can do if you're feeling stuck in all this, Mm -hmm. how can tomorrow be 3% more interesting than today? How can I spend tomorrow in 3% more time that brings me alive than I did today or average it over the course of the week. Maybe it's just a few percentage points, but we start to feel those in our body. And then we keep adding more and more over time, just like exercising. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't start by running a marathon. You start with some, some small steps and get your, your feet under you and, and build your way up. Mm-hmm. It's finding what's exciting. If you want to work at a company that does exciting things, even if you're not in the thick of it, that's okay. I, when you were talking, I'm thinking about like the person who is the like team manager or whatever for the football team. And they do it because they love football. And people are like, but you're washing smelly socks. Like, ugh. it's like, yeah, but I'm on the team and I'm right there mm-hmm. with them and I'm on the front lines. It's like, awesome. You rock. Like, you know, you're not going to play because, you know, that's a different skill set, but you want to be on the team and part of it. So Find something that gets you there and find the joy. I love that. It's awesome. I'm reminded about something that happened inside of one of the companies that I work in. One of my clients is a company called X. They are called a moonshot factory um, because they focus on futuristic technologies that are five to 10 years down the road. They've made self-driving cars and all that. They're part of the the, the Google universe, um, they used to be called Google X. Mm. And the CEO is named Astro, Astro Teller, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> he he rides around in the office building back when they did such things. You know, do you remember when we used to go into offices yes. and no. sit with people? Yeah. What are you talking Way about, you crazy? When. Way yeah. back when. Yeah. So Astro uses rollerblades to get yes. around because A, it's awesome, and B, he calculated that he would be more efficient in going between meetings. But I've been behind him going up and down the stairs, and he's shockingly good at navigating the stairs. Anyhow, so that's Astro. Astro was recently overseeing a uh, an all-hands meeting. It was all done virtually. And usually he talks about a lot of technology-focused things. You know, again, they're inventing robotic buggies that are going through crop fields to work on computational agriculture and lots of really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. But he took a few minutes during an all hands recently to direct everybody's attention to the attitudes that a couple of people he was working with were bringing into the work. And he said, and he called out and called them out by name. And he's like, I just want to acknowledge these two people because every time they come and they talk to me, they have, and this is the phrase he used, there are thousand watt grins on their faces. <laughs> thousand watt grins on their faces. I'm never going to forget that. I love mm-hmm. that idea. Love that. And I talked to one of those people who he called out later, a woman named Anjali. And she explained to me, that the project that she was doing allows her to do the thing that she loves best. She is both uh, an engineer by background and she works in marketing. And so her thing, her real sense of of purpose is to connect ex-employees, past and present, but not just to connect them, to connect them at scale. So like to come up with cool ways to connect them in large numbers and to really make them feel something about about the culture of this place. And this particular project that she had been going and meeting with Astro about allowed her to do that. And so he was like, the thousand watt grins on their faces remind me that joy is really great and that we can choose to be joyful in our work. Mm -hmm. And it's just this wonderful, 
it's a wonderful reminder. You know, sometimes it takes somebody maybe unexpected to to remind us to pay attention to things like that. You know, the, the CEO of a, of a technology company, somebody you think would maybe have a, a low emotional intelligence. He doesn't. He has actually incredible emotional intelligence. I love that. But, you know, the CEO of a technology company has to remind people when we bring our when we bring joy to our work, it makes us a lot, a lot happier. And the reason he brought it forward is because you could tell that he felt it too. It brought yeah. joy to him. And again, that, that energy, it, uh, it spreads. It's contagious. It's contagious. <laughs> Chris, let's pivot a little bit. Since we talked to you last, you have kind of built your practice, right? And you've built a practice for sustainability leaders. I'd love to talk about that journey a little bit. Tell us how you kind of found that niche for yourself or created that niche for yourself. Would it be way too obvious if I said that I followed my energy? No. Yes. <laughs> no, yes. It is both not at all obvious and also way too obvious. I, I, we can hold the duality of that, of that right? Mm-hmm. Both of those mm-hmm. things can be true. Mm-hmm. I began my practice a couple years ago just as I was making the transition from the corporate world into running my own business, just trying to coach as many people as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I worked with people in really amazing companies, um, Airbnb and Google and Apple and Levi's and did a workshop at the, at the Robbins Air Force Base in Georgia. I just got to work with some really fascinating people. And a couple of things happened along the way. One is that I just kept thinking that I was about to land on it. Right? <laughs> this is the thing. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been looking for. And then I would get there and I'd say, okay, great. I've learned that I really want to work with leaders because mm-hmm. then, then there's more impact. Mm-hmm. And I would work with, with leaders and I would say, hmm, there's something not quite it yet. Or I want to work with people who are going through burnout. Mm-hmm. Mm, this is not quite right. And the first thing that I noticed was that as I started to dissect that feeling that I had of, of the energy not being right, I started to understand that I was working with a lot of people who were dealing with the symptoms of broken or unhealthy workplace cultures. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to work with the symptoms, I wanted to go upstream and work with the people who are creating these cultures. You know, I I heard this story where it all just locked in place. It was a a parable that I heard somebody tell. It's like a guy is sitting in his office and he starts to feel kind of a tickle in his throat and he starts to cough and he looks around and he notices that the office is filled with smoke. And he goes, oh crap. And he goes into his manager's office and he says, hey, this office is filled with toxic smoke. And she mm-hmm. says, I know it is filled with toxic smoke. And he's like, well, are we going to do something about it? And she says, yes, don't worry. We've got you covered. We've got a plan. Great. What are we going to do? Are we going to install ventilation systems? Are we going to like, what's the plan? She's like, no, no, no. We've hired you an executive coach who will help you develop strategies for dealing with the toxic smoke. <laughs> and he's like, but I don't want the toxic smoke. And she's like, no, 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 no. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I felt like I kept working with people to help them with these strategies for dealing with the toxic smoke. And mm-hmm. that wasn't as fulfilling to me as I believed working with the people who are creating these cultures could be. Mm-hmm. So I got kind of obsessed with organizational health mm-hmm. and started working with teams. That's a lot of the work that I do at, at X is with teams. Mm-hmm. Then once I got to another place where I'm like, I think this is it. Then again, that just that feeling was like, it's like a feeling in the pit of my stomach that I recognize. And I'm like, oh man, here it is again. What is that? I thought this was it. I started noticing that feeling again. And this time I did an exercise. It was a sticky note exercise where uh, working with somebody else, we made a list of, let's say, three or four of my favorite clients. You know, if I could replicate these three Mm -hmm. or four people and make an entire practice out of their clones, I would Mm -hmm. do that. And it wasn't until I stopped and did that exercise and wrote, you know, wrote them down on sticky notes and what they had in common and what I liked about working with them and all that, Mm -hmm. that I kind of smacked myself in the head and said, duh, 
they're all environmental sustainability leaders. Mm. And I had, I had done that work at Apple. So it's not surprising that I had some people who were working in that space mm -hmm. in my coaching practice. And yet it wasn't until I paused and paid attention to that feeling that I wasn't quite there yet mm -hmm. that I was able to recognize that there's something really, really deeply important to me about not just what my clients want to work on, but also the what for, mm -hmm. you know, like the why, what are they doing this for? Exactly. Kathy. Mm -hmm. It's the why. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with people who bring, I have to hit my, uh, my sales targets for the quarter for my uh, IT services company. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I can connect with them on an individual level mm -hmm. and it doesn't light me up to help them with that particular goal. It doesn't mean that I don't like working with them. Right. It doesn't really bring me alive. But if they say, I want to overhaul the manufacturing system to cut our emissions by 75% and to stop mining materials from the earth, I'm like, when do we start? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff I really love. So I just kept following my energy. And a coach of mine, I, I had, was complaining to her that I hadn't found the exact right words for my purpose. And she was like, oh, Chris, 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 Chris. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, you know, purpose is not an exact address. Mm -hmm. It's a neighborhood. Yep. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, when I, when, I, when I heard that from her, it just relieved a lot of the pressure because it reminded me that purpose is just something you keep checking in with over and mm -hmm. over again. Mm -hmm. And where your energy levels are can be a really good reminder of how aligned with that sense of purpose you are. And you don't need to be able to put words on it exactly. There are lots of different techniques that you can use uh, to start to understand what some of the elements of your purpose are, but you don't need to name it. You can just ask yourself the question, okay, this next thing that I'm going to do, is that going to get me closer? It's like that kid game, right? Mm -hmm. Hotter or colder, hotter or colder, <laughs> hotter or colder. Yep. All right. This is, this is getting me warmer and this is getting me colder. Oh, you're ice cold over there. Okay. Turn around and go back the other direction. But also it isn't stagnant. Right. We're, all, oh. we're all not climbing the mountain to the, the peak and then we find the pinnacle and it's work nirvana or life nirvana. It's a moving target. And it changes with our knowledge and our age and our experience. And we may, there may be a great it right now that once you've done that, you move on to something else, which doesn't mean that that wasn't a great thing. It's like, we're all on these journeys, but they move. Yeah, they're living. And if we're going towards something that's stagnant, we're missing the point. Oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The phrase right now is one of the most freeing things mm -hmm. we can possibly say. A hundred percent. You know, I, um, I'm going to say no to that right now. Mm -hmm. Right now. Right, right now. Doesn't right mean now. I'm going to say no forever. I'm going to uh, take that job, like for right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Wait. I think that's a good job for me to take next for right now. <laughs> right. And it could last six months. It could last six years. It could last sixty years. I don't know. Right. But right now, but right I'm right gonna now. I'm gonna step into that. For a myriad of reasons. So we talked a little bit about values. And I think that in the time we have left, I want to hear from you kind of how you discovered where your values, and you talked about it a bit, mm -hmm. but how you would suggest if a client's like, I just feel like rudderless and I don't know what to do, mm -hmm. to look in and, because we all, I mean, I think everyone's like, I want to be nice and good and hardworking and all these wonderful things. But like, you got to dig a little deeper. And to talk a little bit about values discovery and how you advise your clients to go about that. Mm. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm a big Brene Brown fan when it comes mm -hmm. to values. I know mm -hmm. you just did a, a, a Brene Brown book club not too long ago. Yes. Super and her values work is, is really terrific. You know, one of the concepts that I really like that she talks about is the idea of the values gap. Mm -hmm. Where are the gaps between what I say is important and how I'm actually mm -hmm. living. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There are a million different ways to look at your values, but maybe kind of a fundamental question could be if there were a few things, not physical objects, but a few things like honesty, integrity, environmental protection, diversity and inclusion, uh, making money, 
you know, you could come up there, there's there's a list that Brene has on her website mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of values. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe we can put it in the show notes or something. Mm-hmm. There's a list of of values. And if you can just go through that list and start circling ones that speak to you and cross off ones that don't speak to you, mm-hmm. you know, try to narrow it down to like 20. Mm-hmm. And then just <laughs> sit with those for a little bit and then get ruthless and say, okay, now I'm going to cross off half of these and get down to 10 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then do that again and get down to five. And it's like, if any one of these five things, ways of being, uh, you know, ideas that I can honor with how I'm living my life Mm -hmm. were taken away from me, my life wouldn't be all that awesome anymore. Mm -hmm. That's a great sign that it's a value of yours. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about matching that to company values. Cause like, one of my values, you know, Brene Brown has the thing where you do the two core values. Right. And which was so that, hard. Which was so hard, but we found ones for ourselves and we did. stuck it in a bunch. So we, we cheated. And that was Bucketing okay. is the best, right? Bucketing I can't decide on five, so I'm going to just do 10 and just bucket them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do authenticity. And that includes, you know, X, these Y, and Z, four. right? Yeah. So, um, but... It's hard, you know, if, if mine is reliability and authenticity, then a lot of company values aren't that. So if I'm looking at a company to join, I want to align and make sure that they're okay with authentic Liz because otherwise we're hosed. <laughs> and so how would you tell people to go about that, like personal values versus corporate values, and then the corporate values on paper versus corporate uh-huh. values in real life? Yeah. Oh, there are so many great layers to that. I know. I mean, I would probably approach it similarly to how I would approach the question of an individual sense of purpose or meaning and a company's mission. I mean, the most basic one is, are their values going to prevent me from living my values? Mm-hmm. If the answer to that is yes, probably not going to be a great fit because you're going to have to bury yourself somehow. It's mm-hmm. an excellent question. If you get past that hurdle of no, it's they're not going to force me to, um, you know, to to like disown my values. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe you can ask, well, how how fully can I live into into each one of these values and still be part of that culture? Mm-hmm. Because you know there may be some values that are really deeply personal to you, and they're not about what you're creating, but they're really about just how you're showing up. Mm-hmm. in the world. And so maybe a company doesn't have integrity as one of its stated values, but that might be something that's deeply important for mm-hmm. for you in how you show up in your relationships, in mm-hmm. your team. And as long as they're not you know preventing you from being that way, you don't need to match up, you know, match up those values. Yep. Another way to think about it might be I can live that at a like at a three out of 10 or a five out of 10 or a six out of 10. And maybe that's enough for me right now. Or maybe mm-hmm. I really needed to be an eight or nine out of 10 right now. So it's, it can be hard to understand where it will be as you're, as you're taking a job. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where asking, you know, doing a lot of your behind the scenes research and checking with people who work in the company and, and mm-hmm. or even asking the hiring manager, the recruiter, mm-hmm. your interview panel, listen, this is something that's really important to me, or these are a few ways of showing up that are really important to me. Can you give me a few examples of where you see that in your company today? Mm-hmm. And if they struggle to give you any answers that match the kind of place that you would want to work in, that could be a signal for you. For sure. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I feel like we could just talk forever. Super interesting stuff. Tell our listeners how they can find you. Well, last time I was here, I was doing a digital detox and you're not going to believe this, but I am again doing at least a social media detox. I stopped before the election. Get this. I sent my passwords to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to my best friend in New York and told him to please change the passwords and not give them back to me. That's how serious I was about this. So there were no cheat days in that in that method. And I haven't asked him for them back. I am still active on LinkedIn. I get a lot of value out of that. So people can find me on LinkedIn. I also am reachable at chrisgather.com. And my email is chris at chrisgather.com. 
Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back. You're our, you're our first guest that we've had twice. Ooh, what an honor. You were the first person we thought of to invite back a second mm-hmm. time. So thank you so much. Could I put in one more plug before I go? Sure. I yes. forgot. One of the things that I have I have done in following my own energy is to recognize that one of the things that brings me the most joy uh, and also the most pain <laughs> is <laughs> is writing. And I, earlier this year, started writing a column for an organization called Green Biz, which does conferences and publications for people who work in the sustainability industry. I write a column for them called Sustainable You, which is really Mm -hmm. about how do we take care of ourselves to keep doing this work that we love. And I write it for people who work in sustainability, but I also send it to clients who work in lots of different types of industries. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested in my ideas and my own miserable failures laid bare on the page and the lessons that I learned from them, I encourage you to go check out the Sustainable You column on uh, on Green Biz that I write. It's really awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thank you both so much. It's been such a pleasure to, to be back again with you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>